Episode 190, Don Sandel, author of the book, Positive Mind Shift, and founder of Go Positive. I had a tough time choosing which was my favorite because there were a lot. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. To learn more about Don, his work, his book, and a whole lot more, look for links in the show notes or go to markgraven.com slash mistake190. As always, thanks for listening. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. Our guest today is Don Sandell. He's the founder of uh, his company, Go Positive. It's uh, without an E at the end, if you're looking for it online or on their website. Don has been leading talent development efforts for large and small organizations uh, over the past few decades. And he's taken those skills and experiences into Go Positive and now onto books as well. So he's the author of the book, Positive Mind Shift, and that does have an E at the end there, Positive Mind Shift, Making Good Things Happen in Life and Work. So the website is www.gopositivewithoutme.com. There'll be a link uh, in the show notes. Um, Don began studying the brain and its effect on learning. Um, A decade ago, he discovered compelling and irrefutable research around positivity, and we'll get to talk about that um, today, and I, I do want to give thanks to a previous guest, John Saunders, for uh, making the connection here. So, Don, with all that, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Wonderful, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm positively happy to have you here today. <laughs> Something tells me that word's going to come up a couple of times during our conversation. <laughs> I'm positive that it will, but um, I, I may have made the mistake of, uh, I'll mention it again, if I already did mention, um, the website is, again, www.gopositivetiv.com, not to belabor um, that point. But we're going to talk about um, Don's work and his book and positivity uh, as a concept related to thinking about mistakes and uh, improvement. But as we always do here, Don, I'm, I'm going to ask you the key question. You know, the the different things you've done, the different companies you've worked for, what would you say is your favorite mistake? (laughs) I would imagine when you ask that question, a lot of people will say, and this is my feeling, boy, I had a tough time choosing which was my favorite because there were a lot. (laughs) That most everybody says that, at least half the guests, you're right. So you had a chance to give it. That's why I don't spring the question on you. You get to think about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I love the question. I just love the question. So so here's here's my favorite mistake. Years and years ago, I was running leadership development for a large global company, um, 20 plus billion global. Um, and I reported, I ran leadership development and I reported to the CHR role. Now, she was a very bright, very capable woman, got things done for sure. But she and I had very antithetical 180 degree different approach to leadership. And during one of our conversations, when she was clearly exasperated with me, (laughs) she said, Don, next week we have our global HR meeting and everybody's going to be in town. I want you to share your leadership philosophy 
with the global HRT. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a no-win situation, Mark. <laughs> Knowing that she may or may, she, it, it would be different than what she would say when asked to describe a leadership philosophy. So 180, I, 180 degrees. Uh, so how, how, how do you handle this? So, so, so the day that I was to present, we passed each other in the hallway and she scowled at me and she said, well, today's your big day. Don't blow it. <laughs> huh. And she got into my head and mm -hmm. I was overcome. I was, I was consumed by this immutable and uncharacteristic sense of self-doubt. Right. So that afternoon when I delivered my presentation, Mark, it was probably the worst presentation I mm -hmm. ever delivered. And, and why, why do you say that? Like what <laughs> happened or what didn't happen? You were just off well, your game, right? You know what? She got into my head and, you know, and, and I do not blame her. That is not on her. That was on me. Uh, it was my self-talk. It was the self-doubt uh, self that I was overcome by. And, and of course, when, when that's your mindset, and you have to deliver a presentation, it's no different than anything else that we do. What you put into the computer is what you get out of the computer. I had a negative mindset, I produced negative outcomes, and that is what occurred. Um, but I, I, I think back at that often, and that is also something that drives me, and part of the reason why I started this company, part of the reason why I dove into the research is that I, after that, horrible experience. I vowed that that would never happen again. Mm -hmm. Did you get feedback from, I mean, did, did people in the <laughs> audience think it was a terrible presentation or did you, was you know, that just your perception? You know people are, people, people like me, I was doing a good job. So they said, Hey, you know, they gave me the, you did a great job, but I knew. I, I knew that it, it was it was not my best performance and it had everything to do with my mindset. It had everything to do with my self-talk and none of them were healthy. And again, that is exactly what underlines what I do is that with a positive mind shift, we are different. In fact, we're we're physically different. Our physiology changes. Our brains change, our guts change, our neurons change, our chemicals change, our blood changes, our tissue even changes when we have a positive mindset, which is why it is such a powerful concept and why I just love sharing it with people. So when, if, if I, mean, I hear you when you say you're not blaming her, but she sort of planted the seed, the seed I guess when you plant, I don't know anything about growing stuff. When you plant a seed, it might take or not, you know, and it sounded like, you know, some self-doubt grew pretty quickly. I mean, can can you give an example before we talk about sort of the research and the process for figuring this out? What would you do today, whether somebody had said something like that or not? Like what, what sort of positive yeah. self-talk? Would, yeah. would you be doing before going up to give a talk or a speech today? Absolutely. Superb question, because here's here's the difference, because these types of things happen to us all the time. Right. And it really is knowing that external events should not drive us. It's really what we say to ourselves and what we think about ourselves and, and what our mindset is, what our approach is, what our attitude is. 
So the dip might, the, what I would do different now is I would aggressively battle that self-talk, right? And, and come up with evidence in my own brain about, wait, hold it, you've done this a hundred times. You're really good at this. In fact, you get paid for this, right? So, so I would really find evidence and push back on that self-talk and, sh- and, and, and actually change that self-talk to positive self-talk. But you know what? I was overcome by it. I was emotional. And here's the other thing is that's very, very natural. Having a negative mindset, no matter how positive you are, anybody in this audience, you, me, no matter how positive you are, you have a negativity bias. We all do, right? That's genetics. That's evolution. That's bad habits. That's a life of having this negativity bias. And that is exactly what we teach and what we talk about that many of our techniques are about pushing back on that negativity bias and and changing that negative default to a positive default. And boy, when we can do that, we really change our outcomes. So does it start, does this process start with trying to at least recognize when negative self-talk is there? Yeah. Yeah, we have an ability that the animals don't have, but we have it as human beings, and it's called metacognition. It's our ability to think about our thinking, right? And if we just get better at that and train our brains to pay more attention to our own, what's going on in our own minds, in our own brains, and if we pay more attention to that, and when we see that we're going down that that negativity rabbit hole, that we then aggressively change it to to more positive thoughts, uh, uh, more positive self-talk. Um, it doesn't mean that we're Pollyannish. We're not going to be positive all the time. We're going to have crappy days. We're going to have crappy events. But it's what we do with those crappy days, what we do with those crappy events, what we do with those crappy the crappy environment that we all find ourselves in. It's how we respond to it that's key. So we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. We shouldn't be negative um, when we realize we're being negative. Right. Pay attention to what you're telling yourself and reframe that to the positive. And, and what happens is, is right now, most of us have, right, that negativity bias. Most of us have those, those bad habits that have de- developed over a lifetime. But if we learned those habits, we can unlearn them and replace them with more healthy positive habits and the outcomes will change immediately. Mm. So you were, you know, inspired, prompted, you know, to look into this and uh, how, how, how did you go about studying positivity? Is there sort of a a base of research and literature and, and, and and people and ideas that you studied more specifically within positivity? Here's here's the genesis of how this started. I was running leadership development, and many people in the audience will probably agree with this, that, you know, we were doing some really, really good work, but I was never satisfied. I was always frustrated that that we weren't seeing the big, awesome changes, right, evidence-based changes that I wanted to see with our leaders. And so I go, I'm, I'm going to start at the very beginning. How is it that we learn? How does the brain learn so that vis-a-vis, I could create more effective curriculum. So I was studying the brain and I was studying neuroscience and I was studying how the brain learned and I kept running into positive psychology research because so much of this validated positive psychology research 
is based in the brain, is, is based, on, based on, on neuroscience. I kept running into it, and then I started to read it, and I fell in love with it. And now it's probably been closer to 13 or 14 years where I have just dove into the research. I interview neuroscientists. Um, I, I received a certificate in applied positive psychology. Um, and that's really how it began. So then when I was running this leadership and executive curriculum, I would put in, I would, I actually created a workshop and it became the only workshop that we had that had a wait list for people to get in. Mm -hmm. And to even put that together, to get to that point requires some positivity of saying, I have things that are valuable to teach. This will help people. People will want to sign up for it. You, that would be an example of you know positive self talk that would lead you to even take those steps, right? Absolutely, and 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 it was really important to me when I work with people one on one, when I work with teams, when I work with leaders, that they understand that this is more than just a social virtue, Mark. More than just a nice thing to do. We've all heard this. Throughout our lives, if we played sports or were we academic or whatever our endeavors were, we've always heard this kind of, you know, be positive, go positive concept. Um, but but when I root it in the, the neuroscience, when I root it in the data, when I root it in the concept that our brains are literally different when they're positive versus when they're negative, that's when the doubters and the skeptics will 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 pause and go wait hold it so this isn't just a social virtue this isn't just a nice thing to do that that our physiology literally changes which enables the positive outcomes that's where people go okay now i really get it yeah and so from that research um your your book and again don's book is titled positive mind shift Making good things happen in life and work. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this is written to be in layman's terms for uh, professionals. Yeah, here's, no. here's the book as I refer to it often. <laughs> um, it, it, it absolutely is in, in layman's terms. Um, one of the things that I learned as a, as a new author, working very closely with my publisher, who was great, um, and my editors. As much as I wanted to dive into the neuroscience, and believe me, that's in the book, um, it, it, there's also a lot of stories where I would I would interview people who've overcome tragedy and turned it into triumph, people who've had cancer um, and really only had um, months or or at most years to live, and and they overcame those things, and now are leading these healthy lives of, of conviction and well-being. Um, so it's, it is a book that has the neuroscience as its basis, but it's also full of stories about redemption and recovery and mm -hmm. resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, John Saunders, who, again, I mentioned introduced us, he's your publisher. He was the guest here in episode 146 for people who want to go back and hear John's Favorite mistake. That favorite mistake, I'm, I'm sure, was not publishing your book, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think not, or he wouldn't have recommended me to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned 
the, the impact on physiology um, that positive thinking has. You mentioned people who are battling um, cancer or or other ailments. Is there research that shows? I mean, does a positive mindset make a difference in someone's recovery from something like cancer? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a story in in the book about my neighbor, Big Jim. And this is an anecdotal story, but it's supported by plenty of, of kind of irrefutable and duplicated research. Big Jim had um, stage four throat cancer. He was an ex-cop. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I stopped over to visit him and he, and he looked he looked sick. I said, Jim, how you doing? And he, and he opened up and he said, and he had this scratchy voice mm, and his mm-hmm. skin was discolored. And right. um, he said, I'm battling stage four, stage four throat cancer. And the reason mm. that you're not seeing me is I'm spending almost every day driving back and forth to his oncologist and getting treatments, chemo, radiation. So I hadn't seen him for a couple of while, a, a couple of months. And then I saw him again similar situation. We saw each other in the driveway, walked over and he looked, he looked better. He looked like big Jim again. Jim, how are you doing? He says, man, I am happy to report. According to my oncologist, I have beat this thing. They have, there's no evidence of cancer at all. And then I asked him, Mark, I said, what do you think was the key to your recovery? And of course, first he said, look, I had great doctors The hospital system that he was with was really, really great and supportive, and his family was supportive. But then this ex-cop went on this Shakespearean monologue about how he had this positive mindset. And every single night when he had to walk from the bedroom to the kitchen to get some some of his medication, on the way back from the kitchen, he was so exhausted that he would sit there in his chair in the living room. And he told me that while he was sitting in the chair, he would just think positive thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to beat this thing. Mm. I can do it. Um, We're going to have positive outcomes. Now, that was not true to brand when I think about Big Jim, right? Again, big, burly ex-cop who had this mindset, right? When he went to work, he had this mindset that said, I have to be defensive. I have to look for danger. I have to look for threats. But somehow he had the courage and that belief and that mindset to change that. And um, the the research will also support that, yeah, that mindset had a lot to do with his recovery. Yeah. Wow. I mean, on a, on a more day-to-day basis, Don, what, what, what are some of the physiology changes that we would expect from thinking positively? Does it affect things like blood pressure, weight, just other effects? Uh, yeah. In, there are in the body. there are significant health benefits, and if we just if we just apply logic, reason, and common sense, we'll come to this conclusion. You know, if we exist each day with a negative mindset, how is that helping our health? Right, but but when we have a positive mindset, we can we can battle uh, pain better. We we actually boost our cognitive strength. In our brains, it's called neurogenesis. With a positive mindset, we actually grow new neurons. Um, Inflammation is the number one reason for chronic disease in the world. Well, you want to mitigate inflation or (laughs) inflation. (laughs) That's on on our brains these days, but yeah, inflammation. Inflammation, if we want to mitigate inflammation, having a positive mindset does that. 
It increases our blood flow. Now, blood flow is really important when it comes to our body, but really important to a youthful, energetic, and healthy brain. The more blood that flows through our brain, brings with it oxygen, brings with it glucose, brings with it other nutrients that um, enables our brain to, to be at its most cognitive um, uh, abilities. We also, there's been numerous studies about longevity, people that have proven to have this positive mindset, live longer lives. Um, our heart is healthier. Our blood is healthier. Our cardio is healthier. And of course, maybe most important, that is our foundation to all those things, we actually boost our immune system with a positive mindset. And we technically, phys physiologically, mitigate our own immune system when we have a negative mindset. So if all the other benefits uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> don't motivate you to kind of shift to a positive mindset, if you just think about the health benefits, you'll see those payoffs right away. Yeah. And you you remind me of, you know, I've had a, uh, at least one other person on the podcast who has studied positive psychology. And there, there's another kind of branch of counseling that um, I've been exposed to from working in healthcare, an approach that's used with different types of patients or we could apply. And it's called motivational interviewing. And I've mentioned it a couple of times. So let me just give a quick example, because I think some of this maps to what you're talking about, and I'd like to hear your reaction. So let's say if we're facing a challenge where we say things like, I want to lose weight, we could frame that as a positive, right? I want to be healthier. I can eat better. I can exercise more. Like when we talk about our motivations and our reasons why we need or want or are doing something, that that strengthens that behavior as opposed to focusing on uh, the barriers. Like I'm too busy. It's hard to fit into my day. Or here's the one that I end up recognizing that that I'll say of like, well, when I'm traveling, it's hard to get a good workout in. And like, it, so I th there's a lesson there of when we talk about motivations, which seem positive, we end up taking action more than when we focus on the barriers, which seems negative. Curious yeah. to hear your reactions to that. Yeah. And I think part of what we're doing is one, I think we're just motivating and inspiring ourselves. And I think through some of that language, when we're using positive language, we are therefore not using negative language, right? We're replacing, we're replacing negative language with positive language. Then we have our physiology changing. But I think the other thing that this gets to is the core of everything that we're talking about. And that is our mindset, right? Which is really just a, a set of beliefs that drives our sense of the world and our sense of ourselves. So if we can change how we speak to ourselves, um, we're going to ultimately change our beliefs, right? And our attitudes and our approach. And boy, once we do that, there's nothing that we can't overcome. There's nothing that we can't do. And it's just as simple as really changing our language and our beliefs. Yeah. So is it, do you think it would make a difference? And I'm thinking of the language I use, like losing weight sort of seems negative or I'm focusing on, let's say, a problem of I weigh more than I would want. Um, is it better to frame it as getting healthier? Because that seems 
like, you know, that that's a positive direction. Yeah. What we want to do is have those positive goals and have that drive us. But then, but then that's, that's part of the battle, that language, right? That's part of the battle, our beliefs. That's part of the battle. But the other one is just improving our habits. We all have so many negative habits and those negative habits really stem from those beliefs, stems from what we keep telling ourselves, right? So, so we can develop better actual behaviors, actual behaviors when we change our language and we change our attitude. Now, the research will tell us that about um, 50% of our mindset, 50% of our life satisfaction, 50% of our happiness is, is, is up to genetics, right? And 10% is, is life circumstances. You, you might think that life circumstances is, is, is more than that, but there's not a whole lot that we can do with the circumstances that are out there. But then the researchers tell us that, that 40% is what we can, we have power of 40% in terms of our well-being, our life satisfaction, and our happiness. 40%. That's still a lot. And 40% is our intentions, those things that we do. So getting back to your point, it really is about those things that we do, the things that we tell ourselves, and the habits, right? And all we've got to do is change those negative thought processes, move them to positive thought processes, which will change our physiology and change our behavior. Hmm. And so part of what I hear you saying is um, if we can't shut down the negative self-talk, that voice in our heads, we can crowd it out with positive self-talk. We can more actively replace the negative self-talk. Actively replace it with the positive. That is exactly. And, and, and I spell that out in the book that if we just, if we just metacognate and we just pay attention, I'll do this in my workshops or my keynotes. I'll go think about your drive to work, which is really different these days. <laughs> For a lot of people. Yeah. To yeah. the office. Yeah. But, but, but when people really put themselves there, and let's just say it's a 20-minute drive to the office. The researchers tell us that 80% of our self-talk is negative. Mm. All right. Well, how does that set you up for your day? Is that helping you bring your best self to the office? Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Since we can metacognate, since we can pay attention to our thinking, let's let's just be more intentional about what we're thinking about and how we're talking ourselves up during that drive mm-hmm. into the office. Yeah. And I and I know some of this sounds Pollyannish and I know some of this sounds simplistic, but let's not make it harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. So you you have brought up this idea of let's not be Pollyanna. Um and 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 I want to explore that a little bit. I mean there, there's there's one phrase, I don't know the origin of it, but you hear even sometimes professionally this idea of like, um, what's the expression? If you can dream it, you can do it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, maybe I'm just looking for the negative exception to that rule of like, well, I, I had a dream that I could fly. I'm not about to go test that idea, right? I mean, within the laws of physics, right. perhaps, if we dream it, we can do it. I'm, I'm, I'm curious your reaction. Like you're saying, Mark, shut up. Don't be cynical like that. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I think that's fair. And all of this needs to be couched within the world of realism. Mm-hmm. Right? 
you know, thinking that things are going to work out, which is really the definition of optimism. I, I believe that the future is going to be good. Um, that's the definition of, of optimism. And, and optimism drives our health, drives our out, outcomes. But it also has to be couched within the realm of realism. And, and, and that's really important. People, people on this call, all of us, again, we're going to have bad days. We're going to have bad moments. We're going to have bad performances. But then we look at that performance and go, what did I learn from that? How can I make sure it doesn't happen again? How can I grow from that? That's that's where real growth happens. And let's be honest, that's the whole foundation of your podcast. Let's talk about our failures because it is from our failures where we grow. Well, that's mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, dare I bring up uh, Carol Dweck's wonderful yeah. Topic, yeah. Uh, growth mindset or mm-hmm. her book title is, is mindset. Just mindset. Yeah. Right. Wonderfully written, wonderfully researched. Um, but it's really that idea that, look, bad things are going to happen. It, that's life. Sure. It's how do we grow from those bad things that happen? Yeah. And, and that's where, I mean, you know, if, if somebody might think talking about mistakes is too negative, like the, the, the spirit that I try to have in these discussions is more of that growth mindset that it's, yeah. it's okay to talk about mistakes, failures, whatever word we use, but we can be positive about our ability to learn and grow and our ability to not repeat mistakes. I, I think that's a that's my positive side of that coin. You know? There's that word again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, these things are going to happen. That's life. But it's really, you know, there's this wonderful phrase that I've adapted and it's from a Stoic philosopher. And, and he said something to the effect, you know, it's, it's not what happens to you, but my change is it's not what happens to you, but what you tell yourself about what happens to yours, what happens to you, right? So the first arrow that hits us is that negative event, right? So so my CHRO was that negative event. That was the first arrow. But let's be honest, the second arrow was me, was what I told myself. And and how I changed my belief system and how I adopted this negative mindset going into the presentation. So sure, there's the negative, there's the first arrow of the negative event, but the second arrow is what we do to ourselves. And we need to be better at that. So when something negative happens, how do we reframe it? How do we go? How do I grow from this? Yeah. And how do we reframe it? And if something bad happens, don't tell yourself things like, well, I deserve that. That would be an example of negative self-talk in reaction to something bad that happened. Or we can tell ourselves something more positive in reaction to what happened to us. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I have a, um, now in the book, after every chapter, I have a related research-based activity. And one of my activities is the idea of reframing. And we all need to get better at that. But if we start to do it, our nervous system takes over and we get better at it and it becomes more natural. But reframing is just this. It's the ABCs of reframing. A is the activating event. Something negative happens. B is our beliefs about that event or our interpretation of that event. And, And our belief is only two choices, negative belief about that event or a positive belief about that event. Then C is the consequences. 
And if we have a negative belief about that event, the consequences are going to be negative. But if we have a positive belief about that event, the consequences are going to be positive. Let me give you a quick example. Years and years ago, I was part of an executive team that 50% of the executive team, two weeks before Christmas, got laid off, got fired. Organization wasn't doing well. A lot of the, the, the heavy weight, they let go two weeks before Christmas. Now, that's my activating event. My belief was, all right, I've got some time off. This is a wonderful time to work on my, yeah. my networking, work on my resume, sending out the cover letters, all that stuff that you do. And I ended up getting published nationally. I ended up getting a, two, a couple of side gigs. And, with, and within six months, I ended up getting a new job that was better than the old job. Mm -hmm. And I attribute that to how I reframed a very negative situation. Right. Well, we should, right. we should all do that because those things are going to occur, but it's just how we interpret them. Yeah. Wow. Um, so uh, let me ask um, uh, another question. There's not a smooth segue from that to the question I was going to ask. But um, <laughs> when we talk about positivity and sometimes there's maybe a... Um, Backlash isn't the strong enough word, but there, there are some people who complain about something they'll frame as, quote unquote, toxic positivity. I'm wondering if you've heard that phrase, what that means to you. Is that really something to be concerned about or is that just negativity? It, it's another way to frame negativity. It's a close cousin of negativity. It's basically that idea of, of being Pollyannish, mm -hmm. right? right? We still have to couch this in the realm of realism. But but I would rather somebody be too positive than too negative. Yeah, that the positivity to you wouldn't become toxic. It's, in fact, helpful to our brains, our bodies. To yeah, our yeah. Lives. and, and yeah. let's 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 talk about that for a second. Um, if and, and I won't get too wonky with this, Mark, um, but but when we have a negative mindset. And, and remember the focus of the brain. The primary function of our brain is our survival, not our life satisfaction. So when we have that negative mindset and the limbic system is in charge, that's the emotional part of our brain. And we're kind of in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Um, we limit the power of our brains. When we're in that limbic system, when we're in fight, flight, or freeze, we're, we're, we're literally limiting the power of our brain. We limit our, our physical abilities, our cognitive abilities, and our social emotional abilities. Our ability to have empathy for others when we have a really when we have a negative mindset is, is really shut down, mm -hmm. right? Because we don't have the full capacity of our brain. Sure. Um it, it, it's hard to be a good listener, it's hard to build authentic relationships. But when we do shift to that positive mindset, we have the full capacity of our brain. So we have our, our full physical abilities, cognitive abilities, and our full social emotional abilities. So it's much easier to have empathy for other people, much easier to be a good listener, and much easier to build those authentic relationships. So there's, a, there's just that huge physiological component of this that hopefully for the naysayers and the skeptics, they'll go, wait, hold it. So I physically yeah. change when I have that positive mindset. All right. I'm willing to give this a shot. <laughs> yeah, right. 
what's the harm in trying? Um, even if, yeah, it seems like a struggle. It seems like a good, a good thing to take on. Um, so, you know, Don, maybe before we wrap up, you know, you talk about the personal benefits. When we, when we think about organizations, you know, I'm not asking you to name names, but of the different organizations where you were in training and development roles, like, do you see connections either from your experience or in research are organizations that are culturally more positive? Do they tend to be more successful? Yeah. And in, in fact, there's some interesting research by um, Sapala out of Stanford, Kim Cameron out of um, University of Michigan, where their, their whole research supports this idea that not only is it better for the individual and the team, but it's better for the organization, right? And, and there's plenty of data out there. We, we see a productivity increase where, where positivity dominates the negativity. In organizations, we see 16% increase in productivity. Um, we're 85% more efficient. We're 10 times more energized. We're 10 times more engaged. And if you just think about this from a logic perspective, if a positive mindset helps the individual produce positive outcomes, and then we do some teamwork around this, which is one of the things that we really focus on. Then we have a team full of positive people that is creating this positive subculture, right? Yeah. Then that team is going to produce positive outcomes. Well, doesn't that logic, we just, right, make that logical leap to, well, how does that help the organization? I think it's significant. And that that, that makes a lot of sense. You can, the, the, the exponential effect, the multiplying effect, of positive individuals leading to positive teams, leading to positive organizations. Yeah, that makes, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I One of the quotes that I, I love to share, especially when I'm speaking to sales groups, that um, our optimistic salespeople outsell mm. their negative counterparts by 56%. That's, wow. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. That is. So that's, I think, a great lesson to uh, to to end on. I, you know, being more positive is something I think, you know, I recognize I can work on, you know, um, being more positive, being more aware of negative self-doubt or, um, you know, I have a bad habit sometimes of jumping to worst case scenario. And I and I think that can, unfortunately, that's, I think that's a habit that that I can work on and I think would have a lot of really good benefits. Yeah, yeah. And and doing things like one of the number one things that we can do to really have sustain that long-term positivity is really create positive relationships and really focus on our relationships. Do more acts of kindness. Right? That not only that not only helps the broader society but it also helps us. Do more reframing. Gratitude. Gratitude is the most researched element terms of interventions for sustained positivity, um, reframing, savoring, and hanging out with positive people. And here's one of my favorites that always gets a laugh, but it's one of my favorites. Stop watching the evening news. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I started or I stopped doing a couple of years ago. cable news channels where it seems like there's less reporting and more arguing 
Yeah. And I've just decided that's not my preferred way anymore of learning what's happening in the world, positive or not. And there's probably also this bias toward the negativity and the the crisis and it, it, it negativity sells you all, in. Yeah. All marketers know that. And therefore all news stations know that. So that's why they lead off with the very worst things that happened that day. So you can still get your news and your information in different ways, but why have that in your cranium before you you settle down for the evening? Yeah. No way. Um, before we wrap up, just a, a random thought here. Um, are, are you familiar with the uh, the Canadian band Bare Naked Ladies? Sure. So I saw them in, in concert twice um, this year, and and from their I think it's their new album. They have a song you should go check it out. It's called New Disaster. And it's a very up, it's in a very bare naked ladies way. It sounds like on the surface, a very upbeat, fast tempo, positive sounding song, but uh, it's all, I think it's, you know, it's a commentary on cable news of like, here comes the new disaster, blah, blah, we'll be, you know, I'll tell you more right after this commercial break. I'm not going to try singing it, but um, <laughs> it's an interesting commentary um, on all of that. So um, Don, thank you so much. Our, our guest again has been. Uh, Don Sandell. His website is Go Positive uh, TIV at the end, gopositive.com. The book is Positive Mindset, Making Good Things Happen in Life and Work. So Don, thank you for sharing your story, for what you've researched, what you've written about, um, really a lot of um, helpful, thought-provoking ideas that you've shared here today. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate being on your podcast. Thanks. Well, thanks again to Don for being our guest today. To learn more about him, again, look for links in the show notes or go to markraven.com slash mistake 190. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.